0: Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits Podcast, where anyone and everyone who cannot bear the thought of remaining trapped in a status quo version of Christianity can find a home. Religious traditions eventually suffocate us. Empty church trends almost always leave us in the shallow end of the pool. But kingdom truth straight from God's word spiritually transforms us. And if you desire this, then you too are likely a maverick and a misfit. And now, here is our host a Christian whose entire ministry has challenged the religious system, Jeff Lyle.
1: Well, today's a milestone for Mavericks and Misfits. You are tuning in to the 100th episode of this podcast. We began back in October of 2020. I was actually on sabbatical uh, recovering from cancer surgery and cancer treatment and had taken... Uh, a lengthy sabbatical from my ministry duties at the church I was pastoring, which was called Newbridge Church at that time, now Gate City Church. Well, shout out to all my friends at Gate City. And um, so back in October of 2020 was the first episode of Mavericks and Misfits, and we've been doing it at least once a week ever since then. And today is the 100th episode. It's uh, hard to imagine, really. I mean, good night. It feels like um, we just started this thing, but 100 under our belt, and we'll see if there's 100 more in the making. And uh, I'm grateful for all of you that have tuned in. Some of y'all might have even have tuned in from the very first episode and congratulations on your endurance because some of these have been boring. Others have been um, not quite formulated perfectly, but most of them have come in a way that I think is helpful to anybody that's hungry for really, really getting into the nitty gritty of the kingdom and um, the whole principle, like from day one, that's it's even in the title uh, maybe it's good for me to just take a moment and explain the title because some of you are listening today on the hundredth episode for your very first time and the the concept of being a maverick or a misfit is not being a punk or obnoxious what what it simply means is this and part of it's just tied to my own testimony ever ever since I became a Christian I have not quite fit in to the status quo version of Christianity and primarily because I asked too many questions and I rarely take somebody else's answer as just, you know, the gospel. I want to know what's true. Um, I grew up in the church and I had great people, loving people that cared deeply for my soul. And uh, they poured into me, but I didn't always get the, the, the answers that I found out later were actually more accurate. Uh, there was a whole lot of well-intending tradition that formulated my views of God. Um, and that being from primarily the Southern evangelical, um, flavor of the church, the Bible belt down here where I live. And, uh, that this was back in the 1970s. And, um, sadly for me, as I didn't believe the parts that I should, which would have led to my conversion. Um, but I chose instead to pray a prayer, get water baptized. And they said, okay, you're good with God. And I said, Hey, Sounds like a great deal. And so uh, at age 14, believing I was a Christian because I had prayed the prayer, been baptized, and, um, you know, trying my best at that time not to take the Lord's name in vain. So I figured I'm I'm a good candidate for heaven. And then I proceeded to lead uh, a life that was more akin to hell than heaven for the next 10 years. And so at the age of 22, um, God sent a fiery Southern Baptist bivocational witness named Scott. Into my life. I write about him in my book called Figuring It Out as I Go. And Scott was my boss. And he was also the guy who uh, led me to Christ. And he did it by showing me that everything, basically, that I was trusting in, my version of Christianity, was completely devoid of scriptural truth. And that was a humbling took a couple of years for Scott to finally just bring me to the point where I was like, hey, I've actually believed around the truth, but I've never actually surrendered to the truth. And so in August of 1994, I did exactly that. I surrendered to the one who is truth. I surrendered to Jesus Christ. And when he saved me, um, he didn't announce he was going to do it, but he just did it. He put in me a quest to know what is true. And in that pursuit of knowing what is true, I have come constantly or at least consistently against, um, two, two forms that prostitute themselves of truth in the church. One is liberal theology and one is legalistic theology. And neither one of those are going to work for me. I want to know what is true. And so I am a, a person who just doesn't sign off on any of the denominational norms. Unless of course those denominational norms are rooted in scripture and then I'm fine with them. Um, but it's made me a bit of a maverick, and what I found out is a lot of millennials and Gen Zers um, are also kind of made of that same clay. That they're like, mm, we don't really want my our parents' version or our grandparents' version of uh, American Christianity. We would like to know what's true. Please honor us enough to tell us the truth and then doubly honor us to let us make up our own minds about it without forcing dead traditions and ecclesiastical mandates on us that have nothing to do with the revelation of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Episode 100, getting some fire on it already. So I'm feeling this. I'm like, what is it going to take for a generation to become mavericks to the system, but not forfeit the character attributes in the kingdom of humility? and honor, and love. You know, the podcast is not called Punks and Misplaced People. It's called Mavericks and Misfits. And and the reality is, is that a lot of people that are just punks think they're mavericks. They're like, ah, I don't fit in anywhere. That's because you act like a punk. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a maverick is somebody that questions the status quo, not because they just like to upset the apple cart, but because they actually want to know what the truth is. And sometimes the status quo gets in the way. Would it, would it bother you? Would you think me irreverent if I told you that Jesus Christ was a maverick? He absolutely was. Would, would it stretch you a little further if I told you he was not only a maverick, but he was a misfit? And he was, and we throw a third in, in there. The Messiah was a maverick and a misfit. So um, when Jesus came upon the scene, the religious stronghold of the day was Pharisaical Judaism. And so what that was is that it took the, the purity of the Jewish law which was inspired by God, primarily through Moses and then the prophets, uh, the law plus the prophets. And, um, they, they added traditions over, you know, basically a couple of centuries of time. They added so many man-made traditions to it that it actually clogged the arteries of truth. And so what you, Jesus comes upon the scene and there's a spiritual cardiac arrest going on because the arteries of, of, spirituality of, of the kingdom are clogged with man's traditions. So you got all these, you know, you got all these blood clots and the, the, the true gospel, the true kingdom wasn't flowing. And so Jesus comes on the scene and he's bringing signs and wonders and miracles. He's challenging the religious status quo with his sermons. He's casting out demons. He's clearly manifesting the power of God to everybody. And it drove the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, those religious powerhouses, it drove them nuts. And, you know, these people weren't like God haters or anything. These people were just caught in a uh, generational system of you know, what they thought the kingdom of God was to look like, and they were protecting it. And so Jesus comes along and he's not signing off on all their stuff. He's not, he's not maximizing what they maximize. He's not, you know, he's not advancing what they advance. So he's doing his own thing. Hashtag maverick. And because he is a hashtag maverick, he is also a misfit. What does that mean? There is no place for him in the system. Like, there was a few Pharisees and scribes that got saved. Um, you got Joseph of Arimathea. You've got Nicodemus, and they, they got born again. It says a few of the chief priests got born again. But um, for the most part, the religious system said, we don't want this man to rule over us, and as a matter of fact, we got to get rid of him. Let's crucify him. So the misfit became the slaughtered lamb. And when I think of that, and then I think of what the Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Galatians, the entire book of Galatians, is, you know, basically a treatise against legalism. And, you know, if you read the book of Galatians, listen to how adamant that the Apostle Paul is about, you do not tolerate any tradition that obscures truth. Like it, you don't, you don't play nice with it. And Paul, you know, the book of Galatians was transformational in me in the mid to late 1990s because I became aware during those years that I was groomed in legalism and had become a legalist. And so studying the book of Galatians, I realized, oh, my goodness, I am actually getting in the way of the gospel because of my denominational tradition, because of the standards that I were I was taught. So you might think, Jeff, when are you going to get to the point of today's podcast? Well, this is the hundredth podcast. And this is me um, (laughs) revisiting the why of Mavericks and Misfits. Like this is the topic today, but because I know a lot of you guys don't feel comfortable unless I give some Bible. So, hey, I'm here to give some Bible. And so listen to these words because these are not the words of Jeff Lyle, the Maverick. These are the words of Jesus Christ, the son of God, who was a maverick in his day. So I'm reading out of Matthew 15 and the context, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but the context is that the scribes and the Pharisees are kind of coming after Jesus and they're basically saying, Hey, we want you to sign off on our traditions. And Jesus is like, not going to do it. (laughs) I'm I'm not going to do that. And so in Matthew 15, six, this is what Jesus says for the sake of your tradition, you've made void the word of God. Did you catch that? Jesus says, you have made your tradition so important that you're actually making void the very word of God. And then he says in verse seven, Matthew 15, seven, you are hypocrites. Hypocritas is the Greek. It's a Greek word that means you wear a mask. It was the the Greek word that was basically used for an actor on stage because an actor on stage would often play multiple parts. And so they would have a different mask in their hands for each part. And so the Hippocrates was an individual who wore a mask. And Jesus says, yeah, that's you guys. Y'all hide behind a mask, but we don't, you think you're hiding who you really are, but you're not. I'm here to take your mask away and I'm unmasking your hypocrisy. And then he gets biblical on them. He gives them their own Bible that they say they love. And listen, Jesus applies this verse to the traditional, um, you know, advancers of tradition, the scribes and the Pharisees. He said, Isaiah prophesied well about you. When he said this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me in vain. Do they worship me teaching as doctrines, the commandments of men. I've got to read that again in vain. Do they worship me? Matthew 15, nine in vain. Do they worship me? teaching as doctrines the commandments of men did you catch those two indictments from jesus jesus says and listen this is jesus the meek and mild jesus the savior the lamb who when reviled did not revile again but was led as a lamb to the slaughter This is that Jesus, but when that Jesus is confronted with something that is getting in the way of God's holy word, Jesus doesn't play nice. He doesn't say, well, you've got your truth and I've got mine. And we're just gonna for the sake of unity, you can be right and I can be right, and I don't want to cause division. And you know, we just we need to get along. No, because Jesus knew what James would later write, that the wisdom that is from above is first pure. Than peaceful. And today, a lot of people are choosing peaceful at the expense of purity. What am I talking about? It's when, you know, a tradition of man has been cemented so long and so dogmatically by generations of Christians that we look at the Bible and we say, you know, I think we all know the Bible actually doesn't teach that, but since it's not really hurting anything and it's really kind of a good rule to have or a nice tradition to observe or, you know, let's don't make any waves because we don't want to dishonor those who really believed in this tradition. And Jesus didn't care. Jesus literally said, let me tell you what's going on here. For the sake of your tradition, you're you're emptying the word of God. You make void. That's to empty out. You hollow out. The word of God. What is he saying there? I'll boil it down for you. He's saying, Hey, gentlemen, you value your traditions more than you value the word of God, and I'm not cool with that. That's what Jesus is saying. He's calling them out. He says, Hey, I just unmasked you. The people are too afraid to say anything because you guys have the position, you guys have the power, you guys have the momentum, you guys have the robes, you guys have the education, you guys have the pulpits. But I need to let you know something. I don't care about any of that because all of your traditions are actually impeding the thing that I came to do, which is to advance the kingdom of God for the glory of God. So that's me unpacking that a little bit. And again, he called them hypocrites. He says, by the way, God says, and you know, Jesus always heard what the father said. And so he quotes Isaiah to them. That's the passage in Isaiah is God saying to Israel's past religious leaders Hey, I hear what you're saying with your mouth, but I actually hear what's in your heart and your heart is nowhere as close to me as your words are. Meaning you've got all the right vocabulary. You sound right to people, but I hear your heart and your heart has nothing in common with my heart. You love your tradition so much that you actually are emptying out the truth of my word. You're winning people to you and your ways and you're getting in them, getting, you're interfering with them, getting into my word and my ways. And that's what happens with status quo religion. That's what, that's uh, entire denominations are built on that. Listen, I know this firsthand, a, a big part of what Mavericks and Misfits is about as we celebrate hundred episodes today, a big part of it is because I am a warden spirit guy and I'm not the first and I'm not the only, but I'm the only one talking right now. So the, the word and spirit concept is, is very foreign in most churches. Hey, hold on just a second. I'm going to take a sip of water, and get refreshed here. We don't edit those out because I'm not a professional. Um, but the the word and spirit con- concept is, I think it's gaining um, a lot of traction with young millennials and Gen Zers, and I'm so grateful for that because um, you, you want to become a real maverick and a misfit. Start saying, "I believe in the authority of Scripture, and I believe in the necessity of the Holy Spirit," because most churches will force you to pick one or the other. You go to a word. Word church. you know, we're word, 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 we're exegesis, we're expository, we believe in the word, we memorize the word, we share the word, we, we study the Greek and we study the Hebrew, we we get into the covenants, we get into the verb tenses, we get into the historical narratives, we get into the ins and outs of every layer of scripture and context and all that. We are word, word, word. By the way, I'm all those things. I love that. I'm not against that at all. But typically when you get into a church like that and, and you say, yeah, and what we also need is the rhema. We need the whisper of God. We need the voice of God. We need, we need, we need the prophetic utterance. We need tongues and interpretation of tongues. We need words of wisdom and we need words of knowledge. Hey, by the way, we need signs and wonders. We need apostolic fivefold ministry because the scriptures teach that and, and word people will be like, get out. All we need is the Bible. A lot of word churches are guilty of bibliolatry. They actually worship the book. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and listen, some, some people don't even like me saying, that. they're like, well, Jeff, aren't we? Jesus was the word yet. Yeah, Jesus is the, is the living word and he is enthroned and we do worship him, but you actually don't worship the written word. You don't, you worship God through the written word, but some people so worship their interpretation of the written word that they actually miss God. Now, the other side of the spectrum is those that are the spirit people. Hey, we're, we're Holy spirit people. And, you know, we, we pray and we fast and we do, we pray in tongues because, you know, Jude taught us that we pray in the spirit and we're building ourselves up in the most holy faith. And Paul said that when we pray in the spirit we utter mysteries in the spirit and we also prophesy and so we hear the Lord we actually hear the Lord not just reading his words but we hear the Lord and we follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit and we believe in signs and wonders and miracles and we believe there's modern day apostles and we believe that there are prophets and prophecy and so yet we believe in powerful moves of God we believe in spiritual warfare we cast down strongholds we come against principalities and spiritual forces of darkness in high places we do all of this because it's in the word, and then you say, Okay, well, I tell you what, we'll do let's have a Bible study and let's spend six weeks breaking down the book of Philemon. And they'll be like, Uh, what? No, we don't really do that, man. We don't want doctrine. Well, hey, how about we study Ephesians 1 and we spend weeks dissecting predestination and election? And then, why don't we get into while we're at it, sanctification? And the spectrum of salvation from justification to sanctification to glorification. Uh, Nah, man, I think we'd rather pray in tongues for six hours. And I'm being a little extreme here. But what I'm saying is I don't mind offending both sides because there are actual representations of that kind of word narrowness and that kind of spirit shallowness. Narrowness from the word camp, shallowness from the spirit camp. And guys, these things ought not to be and and what happens is a lot of tradition is built into both of those camps. And so so instead of learning from each other, and instead of going to the word, the actual logos, the written word of God to define beliefs, what do they do? They just hold on to the tradi- traditions. And I've seen it in both camps because I've been in both camps. I was a fundamentalist legalist for many many years and that's the only circle I knew because we weren't allowed to fellowship with anybody outside of that circle. So I used to be that guy, so I can speak to it, and I've been on the fringes of the charismatic movement and, and swung that pendulum way out to the to the uh, far extreme for a little while. And so I've seen the the shallowness of charismania, where like literally they don't want to exegete the word because they think theology and doctrine quenches the spirit. When it's ironic that the the spirit wrote the Bible, <laughs> the doctrine of inspiration is that the Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture. He used human beings. He moved in them. And Jesus called the spirit, the spirit of truth in John 14 and John 16. So the spirit is not allergic to his truth. So having said all of that, sorry, a little bit of a sanctified rant there, but it felt right. Um, The the reality is when you are word and spirit, you're going to be a maverick and you're going to have a hard time fitting in and may God increase our tribe. And again, we're not punks. We're not, you know, flaunting it. We're not just out. Look, I don't believe in walking away from church. Some people think they're such a maverick. They've just done away with the church. Well, then you must be more spiritual than Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ knew far better what was wrong and what is wrong with the church. And he hasn't given up on her. As a matter of fact, he's still working on her. He's still purifying her. I meet people all the time. Yeah, I just got burned on church, man. I'm just, there's too much stuff that ain't right there. I just, I'm doing my own thing and I'm just burned out on the church. Well, you should repent. You should absolutely repent. You should get over your sorry self in that area and repent and get your backside back in church and serve people. Say, well, Jeff, it's just not my thing, man. You know, I'm not getting fed down there. Okay, we'll find a place where you can get fed. If that's really your priority, find a place where you can get fed. But this is what I found out, that if you will be privately engaged with the Lord, the Lord's going to draw you to what he loves and he loves his people. As flawed as we are, as much as we need to be um, sanctified. As often as we get it wrong, Jesus himself never gives up on the church. In the end, guess what? We're with him and we're perfected. You're going to feel like an idiot when you stand in glory and you look at the son of God who never gave up on his church. And one of the questions you'll have to answer is, why did you, why'd you give up on her? Why'd you give up on those people? Oh, they're imperfect. Well, I'm glad that the, the perfect Lord didn't give up on you and your imperfection. We need each other. And so my thought has been, yeah, I see a lot of flaws in the churches. A lot of flaws in them. It's a great motivator for me to sacrifice and to spend time, energy, investment, all of what God has put into me, and to reform the church. People that are not walking in the spirit will reject the church. People that are walking in the spirit will reform the church. By the way, since I am just taking on the full mantle of a maverick and misfit, not worrying about who I offend today, let me say to some of you, some of you need to pick a church. Like some of you love the church in the sense of you love your friends. And it's kind of like a, you know, choosing what restaurant to go to. Well, I go here when I'm on a, but I got this kind of craving and I go here when I got this kind of craving and I go here when I got this kind of craving, but you don't commit, you don't come under the authority of, of church leaders. Yeah. You heard me. Yeah. Like literally God establishes authority in the church and you're to be under a covering and you're to serve under that covering. You're to be accountable under that covering. You two are serve alongside of that covering. You're to benefit from that covering. Yeah, like that's actually a biblical concept, not a tradition of man. Like we are, the you know the writer of Hebrews talks about obeying those that have the rule over you. Well, there you go, right there. You don't need like five theologians to interpret that. It clearly, um, it clearly implies. It doesn't imply it, it teaches it, that there are those that are in the church that have positions of rulership and that the expectation is for people to put themselves under those individuals and to the degree that these people are leading them as Jesus would, they are to obey them. And so I say to some of you guys, especially a young millennials and Gen Zers, you need to just pick a church and stick with it, like for decades, unless God reassigns you and God doesn't reassign you every six weeks, <laughs> that's called church shopping, that's your flesh, and the Holy Spirit's not leading you to switch churches every few months. I mean, if you're an apostle and an apostolic leader, yeah, you might be going to different places, but you will be working and you'll establish churches and leave, not visiting, hanging out. And then hmm, I think I'll try something new. That's not spiritual. And so I'm telling you, some of you just need to get plugged in and stay there for the long haul. Stay there during transition. Stay there during seasons of decline. Stay there when there is dysfunction. Stay there if there is scandal. You stay there. And you sow and sow and sow, and you never give up. Now, if God calls you somewhere, he'll send you somewhere else where you will stay for a while. And so I think that when we, we look at this issue, we've got to recognize that f- folks, um, there's a lot of traditions. Some of them is encoded legalism. And some of the tradition is people are talking to themselves and writing their own traditions. And they put it on a piece of paper with the title, God told me, well, God told me I could do this. And God told me to do this. And God told me to do that. No, he didn't. (laughs) No, he didn't. That was you. (laughs) That was you. That was actually you. If God is telling you something new to do all the time, that's you. That's not him. And um, there just isn't any consistent biblical example at all for God every few weeks telling somebody to do something new that is actually in contradiction to what he told them to do the time before. (laughs) we are not feathers in the wind we are we are planted in the in the in the earth by god and god wants you to bloom where you're planted and so you know some traditions are easy to spot they're pharisees they're legalistic stuff do this don't do this we do it this way this is what we sing this is where we go this is what we don't do this is what we eat this is what we don't eat this is how we look that stuff's so old man nobody falls for that stuff anymore i hope they don't but there's a different kind of tradition that is hyper-spiritualized. It's like, oh man, I just think the Holy Spirit's telling me to do this. I think the Holy Spirit wants me to do this. Well, Holy Spirit's saying this. And then if anybody disagrees with you, they're voting against the Holy Spirit. And who wants to do that? But I'm here. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying to you today, like, um, if you're getting like a new word that totally pivots you constantly, like this happens, that's not, you don't know how to hear God. You know, you're just driven by the winds. You're, you're impulsive. And in some degree, you're listening to and obeying your own fleshly instincts. And here's how you can figure it out. What fruit has there been for the last five or six big decisions that you made? Like that, that came one after another and you kept saying it's the Lord. Why isn't there any longevity? Why isn't there any endurance? Why isn't there any fruit? Why is it just you 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 stay around a while and, you know, for whatever reason, you pick up and you move to the next place and the next place and do the next thing and answer the next call? And then you look back over years and you're like, there hasn't really been any consistent fruit. And let me tell you the reason why fruit is born from a vine that abides. And sometimes it's not just abiding in Christ, you know, a branch or the root, the vine that comes out, it's rooted down. It's not just about, Oh, I'm saved. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tied into Jesus. Now, I'm talking about sometimes you got to be locationally. You got to sow, man, you, there's actually seasons to spiritual growth. And seasons the spiritual harvest. You don't reap in the same season you sow. And so like people are addicted to planting and they don't hang around enough for, you know, harvest season. It takes a minute. And so when let me let me wrap this thing up today, you know. Sometimes, you know, I just gotta I gotta say stuff. Like I believe in provoking you unto love and good works. That's that's actually scripture. Provoke one another unto love and good works. So that's what I'm doing. I'm provoking you. And I'll say boldly, it is time for some of you just to grow up. I don't even have anybody in mind. I just feel the Holy Spirit right now. I'm saying some of you just need to grow up. Like do the disciplined stuff. Like stay through the boring season. You're addicted to hype. You know, Christianity is not an Instagram reel. It it really isn't. It's not an awesome, you know, marvelously liked uh, TikTok video. There there are no filters on the Christian life. Sometimes it's boring. Sometimes it's long. Sometimes like you can go months without a peak, like P-E-A-K. Like it's just a plateau. It can be months, sometimes years. Like if you don't believe that, then you don't know your Bible. Like Jesus waited 30 years. He's the son of God. Divine son of God waited 30 years building chairs and tables in Joseph's shop. And then did three and a half years of ministry and they killed them. But guess what? He rose from the dead. He's ascended on the throne and he's not done yet. And some of you can't experience resurrection power because you won't endure the waiting and then pay the price. You, you want to, you know, shortcut straight to resurrection and wow, we did it. Yay, we made it. And that's not the way it works. And so I bless you. Listen, let me end it with a blessing because I've challenged you and provoked you. Let me end it with a blessing. Let's kill tradition together. No, seriously. And start with your own. Ask God to reveal the empty, vain things that you've been doing and how it's getting in the way of his word. How it's obscuring the truth. Ask him to show you if you're a Hopocritus, a mask wearer. And then ask him to help you change. Because he will. He's not mad at you. But he's also not content to let any of us live beneath the dignity of what he died and rose for. And guys, some of you, you're too old to be doing what you're doing. Like you're not, you're not 16, 18, 19 years old anymore. You know, you start hitting your mid twenties, you ought to have an idea about what your life's supposed to be about. And nobody else is supposed to make it happen for you. It's found in the secret place and from the secret place. Not, the the goal of God for your life is not for you to abide perpetually in the secret place. Um, with, with all due respect to everybody, it's, you know, an intercessory minister uh, missionary and like I have good friends that are intercessory missionaries that, that needs to be unto something. It's not just doing your time in the prayer room. Like you have to do something with what you're getting in the prayer room. And everybody I know that runs houses of prayers would say amen to that. They don't want people just hiding out in the prayer room and reading their Bibles and praying all day. You you, literally, the harvest is outside of the prayer room. So you, you, you meet with him in there and then you walk out of there and you export him wherever you go. And so it's time, it's time, it's time. So. I bless you in the name of Jesus to crucify all traditions that have tried to obscure the vision of the kingdom from you. I bless you with discernment to know what's true and what's void. I bless you with the courage to reform what is lacking in the church instead of rejecting the church. I bless you to be a word and spirit. Some of you word people get filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, tell God, just tell him, I want everything you've got for me, everything that Jesus died for me. I bless you with that holy hunger. I bless you. You don't, you don't, you don't have to tell him what to give you and what not to give you. He doesn't take orders. You just tell him I'm hungry for everything you've got for me. Give me what you want. And then be prepared for it to look very different than your previous years. Very different. And then for you, you guys that are like Holy Spirit people, please open your Bible. Please even consider coming and being part of Caneo Ministry Training Center. That's the school I help lead. Like get, get grounded in the word, like add to your flopping on the floor and, you know, Holy Spirit manifestation. I'm not telling you never do that. That that may be very valid, but when I say add to it, Bible, like know the covenants, know the Kings. (laughs) <laughs> know the doctrines n- n- know the theology and if you don't know how to do that join me at Kaneo. go to Kaneo K-I-N-E-O M-T-C Kineo M-T-C dot com and register for the upcoming year and if not there get in somewhere that can teach you the word of God I mean you've got everything to gain and nothing to lose so together let's keep being mavericks and mis- misfits not punks <laughs> We're not sanctified punks, not obnoxious, not rebels, but with the spirit of Jesus, as he stood up to scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees and said, hey, you're making the traditions of men come off as though they're the doctrines of God. And Jesus says, and we all know that they aren't. So knock it off. And so let's be those people too. Let's say to religion, hey, it's time for you to bow to the redeemer. Wouldn't it be nice if religion got saved? Like it'd have to die and then get raised. And when we got raised, it wouldn't be religion anymore. It would be redemption. Let's just be those kind of people. So listen, time's gone. Uh, Thanks for listening to 100 episodes of Mavericks and Misfits. And uh, you tune in next week. Episode 101 will be coming. Okay? We'll talk to you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode of Mavericks and Misfits. If you were helped by what Jeff shared today, please take a moment to rate and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or Spotify. Your review helps us enlarge our digital footprint to reach more potential listeners every week. Also, please take advantage of the free written and video resources made available at transformingtruth.org. Join us again every Tuesday for a brand new episode of Mavericks and Misfits.